Hey guys, time for a special message from our friends at Mott and Bow, one of Happy Sad Confused's sponsors today. I don't know about you guys, but I like to wear jeans. I wear jeans pretty much every day. I'm wearing some right now, and guess what? I'm wearing my Mott and Bow jeans. This was not even planned, guys. I looked up to see what ad I'm supposed to record today, and I saw a Mott and Bow, and I said, that's what's on my legs. This is crazy. I didn't say it like that, but that was kind of the inter- interior dialogue in my, in my brain. Um, I'm not trying to spend over $200 per pair of jeans uh, because that would break the bank. Since, I, As I said, I wear so many of them. Uh, that's why, guys, I'm thrilled that uh, Mott & Bow is the sponsor today. Mott & Bow is great. They handcraft premium jeans for guys at under $100 uh, a pair. I've been wearing mine, as I said, and I can totally feel the difference that they're really, truly high quality stuff. Plus, they'll even send you guys a second waist size for free to try on. Um, it doesn't get any better than that. For this quality, you truly can't beat this price, but the deal just got better, friends. Simply go to montanbow.com slash happy and automatically get 20% off your purchase. That's montanbow.com slash happy for 20% off automatically applied at checkout. Go ahead, try them. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. I'm Josh Horowitz. I'm talking like a robot for no reason. Uh, hey, say hey, Michael. Hey, Michael. Not like this that. This is I'm, Michael. Whoa. I'm regret- Sitting in the co-captain's chair. I'm regretting. We're now at cruising you. altitude. Okay, that's enough. Okay. Um, hi, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast this week. Uh, Michael's here for moral support. And if yeah. my... Um, my voice gets tired in the next three to four minutes. I have to do an impression of Josh. Oh, if I you see. Okay, can't yeah. talk, I have to be your voice surrogate. We kind of sound. Hey guys, the same. it's Josh Horowitz. It's just two uh, boring white guys talking. <laughs> um, but luckily, we spoke to a non-boring white woman this week. How's that for a segue? You are so good at diversity. <laughs> Um, that brings up actually a point. I need the, the, the show. I know the show could be more diverse. It should be more diverse. I have no excuses except that these is the guests. These are the guests that have come around the bend here uh, to the Happy Set Confused uh, Studios. Um, but ha- th- thankfully, we've had a lot of amazing um, female actresses on lately, and Rebecca Hall, the guest this week, is no exception. She is starring mm-hmm. in a new movie called The Gift seen the trailer for this one michael oh yeah it's, it's creepy. uh it's really it's freaky it's one of those like uh stalkery uh something's not right person you let them you give them an inch Ooh, they take like 17 inches yep you got you got the gist of it it's a it's a really good movie honestly it's um it's like a tight little thriller with jason bateman uh playing kind of against type don't expect him to be jolly old jason bateman that you always enjoy uh joel edgerton who i'm a big fan of and he actually also wrote and directed the film which mm-hmm. is kind of cool and rebecca hall who's really kind of the leading uh like the hero of the film you'll find I want to give too much away, but it's a, it's a, it's a really uh, taut 
thriller. It's there's no fat on it. It's just sort of like uh, it's it gives you exactly what you want out of something like this. Some good twists and turns, and it's a little bit uh, unexpected in ways that uh, the trailers and marketing materials may have you expecting one thing. It's it's a little bit deeper than that. So highly recommend that comes out I believe next Friday. So look out for the gift. Um, it was lovely to talk to Ms. Rebecca Hall. She is um, a fantastic actress. She's one of these like actresses who, frankly. Like, she's not a big celebrity. I wouldn't call her that. Like, you right. know, we were talking before, like, you know, it's not like you could rattle off the top of your head maybe five of her movies. But when you sit down and look at what she's been doing the last six or seven years. It's a great um, body of work. Yeah. She, and it's, like, very, like, well-chosen roles. Yeah, yeah. So, she comes from, like, and you'll hear this in the in the conversation I had with her. Um, like, she comes from, a, like, a really high pedigree background. Her her dad is Peter Hall, who started the Royal Shakespeare Company. And he invented the laws and right the hall's lodges again making me regret that you're in this office right now interesting what did i read her her mom is a a great opera singer and um she she kind of in the last like i guess eight years or so i would say has really crafted a a cool body of work she was in the prestige um she was in iron man 3 um transcendence she was the lead in um Woody Allen's Vicky Cristina Barcelona, I think, is where a lot of people saw her for the first time. Um, she's gonna, she's got a lot of cool projects coming up, which we touch on. She's in the new Steven Spielberg movie. She's going to be in Steve McQueen's new TV show. Uh, a lot going on, and she's an actress who's really, frankly, not into it for the celebrity, or at least she's maybe she's pretending. Maybe she's just a really good actress, and she <laughs> yeah. really, all she wants to be is a Kardashian. She's fooling all of us. <laughs> I don't know, um, but uh, I had a really good time talking to Rebecca because I never had, and frankly, in researching her, I was like, oh, she maybe. She's going to be a little stiff, not so like fun, but um, I think we, I think we hit it off. I think she was, uh, she had a good time and, or again, she's just the best actress known to man. Um, so let's catch you up on other things going around. Um, let's see in, in happy, sad, confused Josh universe uh, just got back from Vienna. Permission wow. Impossible. Michael sadly uh, wasn't able to join me. No, I don't do well traveling. You're not. You're not. People tend to not like me. <laughs> that, that planes. I get scared speak. on planes. No, I. Uh, I could not go. I, I wish I could. You said it was incredibly hot, though. It was incredibly hot. I don't want to complain because I'm living a very yeah. like you know. I get you're globe trotting. I'm globe trotting. I get to do fun things. But yes, it was freaking hot. Uh, Ninety nine degrees, I believe, in Vienna, where Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation. Mm. was premiering world premiere vienna opera house it's a big sequence in the film that takes place at the opera house um and just to give you my unsolicited review for a second the movie is great and i'm not just saying that because they flew me to vienna like i would i would just not say anything it's actually a really 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 good movie i think it might be my my favorite mission impossible that's awesome you know i feel like it was uh, this last one uh and then uh, this one and with your review i haven't seen it yet but it's it's kind of cool they sort of took their time away from it yeah and then came back really hard yeah yeah this is i think the 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 briefest like gap in between two of the films the last one was brad bird which i know a lot of people loved i liked it i didn't think it was like amazing but this one it's directed by chris mcquarrie who did jack reacher it has some amazing set pieces. It's got this amazing leading lady performance from um, Rebecca Ferguson, who you've ne- probably never seen. I've never seen her before, but she kicks so much ass in this and is so great. Um, I can't recommend it enough. But yeah, the premiere was... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no. Just... Uh does Tom Cruise fall off the plane and die? Yes. Okay. Great. <laughs> well, considering it's the opening <laughs> sequence in the film, it's only a 12-minute movie. It's yeah. really... <laughs> so, it's like very tight and condensed. It's super tight. Man, that's um, sad. 
it's, but it's it makes uh, sense. It's but good they writing. Cover Jeremy Renner. Yeah. It's basically just uh, ten minutes of him on a plane and then a long off. funeral. <laughs> no, then it's just like an hour and a half of Ving Rhames and Jeremy Renner talking about it. Yeah, <laughs> recap. Different way to go. Yeah. Um, but and you get to talk to everybody on the carpet. I did. I did. I talked to Tom. We also then he he always does these things in a big way. He did a New York premiere last night, which I also did the carpet for, and. You know, say what you will about Tom Cruise. The dude okay. is a movie. St- no, not no. I don't mean. Well, that I've got a lot of opinions. <laughs> I don't mean that literally. Um, but he is a movie star, and he also is so committed in every way. Like he signs more autographs than any human being ever should have to. Literally, like I mean, much to yeah. the chagrin of journalists in Vienna, we were waiting on the carpet for him for like three hours. But that was because he was signing autographs for three hours. So that's, that's amazing. It's kind of awesome. It's like it's part of the job, which probably sucks. Yeah. But he just has taken full responsibility for it. It's like yeah. if you're going to live this life, you gotta you gotta do the autographs. You gotta he, be a good. Uh, he loves being a fans. movie star. He that's like awesome. loves being Tom Cruise. And yeah. I guess more power to him. Um, okay, time for some questions via Twitter. Um, oh, I like this one. I just asked for questions like two minutes ago and i got a few random ones um this is from hi i'm mary dresser look okay have you ever interviewed billy d williams i just love that that is the greatest <laughs> random <laughs> thank you no i haven't i haven't i'd love to because you're scared is that yes well we have a past that oh, will never yeah. be spoken of but hey maybe he'll be in a star wars movie coming up and maybe i'll have an that opportunity to awesome uh, speaking of which Spoke to J.J. Abrams last night. That was awesome. Love him. Um, let's see. He needs one more J in his name. Right. J.J. Uh, <laughs> Abrams. J. 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 What does the J.J. stand for? I've never asked him. Um, from J. C- Jonah. <laughs> his parents were huge <laughs> Spider-Man fans. Uh, Cindy McCoy wants to know, I want to see both Toms, Hiddleston, and Cruz in Top Gun 2. I feel the need for speed. Um, it always comes back to Hiddleston. You guys... And Hiddleston, by the way, came up in this podcast, and I feel like I, like, I don't know. I just, I feel like I'm being portrayed as a Tom Hiddleston stalker, and I don't, yeah. I don't know how this happened. Interesting. Well, actually, I do. I think it's Jessica Chastain. Yeah, and, she pushes um, that. And she pushes that. How do you like his uh, blonde hair? I don't want to talk about it. I. That's. I mean, it's I, weird. I, your eyes lit up. I do. I like. You're it. licking your lips. That's strange. <laughs> <laughs> what uh what should we put uh, I, I meant to ask you do you have any uh any comedy things you want to plug is there anything you want to plug michael me am i yeah. allowed to plug things well yeah i mean you're in the sure. office okay um i uh i'm in a group called nancy it's musical comedy it's kind of like flight of the concords but funny and handsome um <laughs> you have, uh, is that your uh, go-to for that the, the, yeah i okay, use that okay. a lot okay. um and we got a if you're in new york we've got shows at the upright citizens brigade theater every other week and uh the next ones are well this thursday the 30th i don't know when this that'll be that'll be yeah great and then time guys august 6th and august 17th it's a half hour show it's really fun and then i got a monthly show called osfug at the ucb theater east uh third saturday of every month so yeah if you want to come out see some live comedy um you know that's some some great ways to do it wow you were killing it man um all right guys enough of michael pimping his comedy career (laughs) and that creepy laugh (laughs) nope nope shh uh time to enjoy uh the lovely the talented uh the star of the gift here is ms rebecca hall how's it going good what's this list is that people that live in new york yes so 
the other side of my life besides doing somewhat straightforward, normal kind of interviews is I do silly sketches, oh, which now okay. having seen your funny or die thing, oh, yeah. I realize we miscalculated <laughs> because I think we should be doing a sketch today. So that list on the board is uh, just sort of like People in the back of my are, head who, are who might around. be around. And that yeah, kind yeah, of thing. yeah, yeah. Um, let me turn this off. And um, how are you doing on this sweaty, I'm doing okay. humid you know, day I'm in New York? I'm in the middle of a, of, you know, the funny these days. You get carted around and... Yeah, that's how you sh- how your life should be, just carted or around. Or constantly being followed by six people pushing you into rooms where people ask you questions. In other contexts, this could be, you might have done something wrong with your life. I know. No, it's actually, it's not dissimilar, really. <laughs> but, appar- but apparently you're doing the right thing. Yeah. You're not uh, allowed to know the time. Right, Somebody no. tells you when you're allowed to eat. And go to the bathroom. Hopefully, do you have bathroom privileges? No, I haven't had bath- any bathroom privileges. Oh, no. I'm sorry. You seem stressed. Sorry this falls on you. No, I'm fine. <laughs> Um, it's good to, I, th- I don't think we've ever chatted before, which is surprising, but, um, considering how much you've been working in recent years, um, yeah, what's wrong? I don't you, know. you don't, you don't like my well, work. Well, no, what I figured was, Rebecca, <laughs> we should just dive in, forget those like four minute junket things, which are horrible. Yeah. Let's dive in and okay, really get, get to know me. each other. All right. Uh, and that's why we're uh-huh. here today. <laughs> um, congratulations on the movie. I Thank saw you. it yesterday. It's really good. It's really, really good. I don't know. Oh, I'm good. not... I don't know why that sounded like a surprise. It's not a surprise. Well, I, I can. I think a lot of people do that actually, and I've been trying to work out why that is. And I think it might be that the trailer suggests it's going to be, um, you know, a, a sort of screaming, shouting yeah. horror movie. Not that there's anything wrong with those, but it's it's surprising when you realise that actually the thrills come from a psychological place. Truly, and you're so. I'm so, and I think any audience member is so like geared now to like expect a certain kind of thing out of a film yeah. like this, and yeah. you're like, oh, he's going to come around the corner yeah, exactly. with a chainsaw at yeah. some point, and it never happens. And it never happens, and it's all the more scary for it, I think. Yeah, probably because the stuff that it actually actually confronts is much more well pernicious and hidden. Well, it, it is entertaining without, you know, we don't want to give out the whole kitten caboodle here, but like... Well, why not? Okay, let's just... You okay, know. so at the end... Uh, oh, <laughs> it's, if you've seen the trailer, you've basically seen it, and really, I'll fill though. in all the gaps. No, it's absolutely not. It's not... Yeah, totally not true. I mean, it's like basically a three-character piece, and what yeah. I think is really cool about it is that they're kind of three totally unreliable people to kind of f- entirely unreliable. Yeah. And, and, and it, it, it's a really smart film in what Joel has done. Joel Edgerton, who's obviously a star and yeah. director um, and writer, I believe too. Right. Yeah. Completely. What a jerk. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Give it a rest. <laughs> um, but kind of playing on audiences, preconceived notions, even in the casting. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely it is. Well, I think it, there is a sort of tradition there. I don't know. I feel like I was reminded of a lot of, uh, there's a lot of Hitchcock thrillers that sort of rotate around three characters. Yeah. You know, or, or I mean, often two, but often there's a sort of, you know, whether it's, you know, I'm thinking of something like Rope, I guess, where there's, sure. you know, James Stewart and then the two guys or, and it's all basically in one place. Or, right. You know, and that there's, there's something similar to that. And I suppose if you are playing with that then it's there's sort of it's always a question of who knows what or what time and what don't what don't you as the audience know about that right. person and i suppose the most reliable is my character but she is she's not a sort of um what i personally liked about it was that it, i think in the other version of this film she mm. could easily have been the female and the victim and the person that doesn't have any uh, human aspects and there are surprises with her too absolutely you know and i think there's something sort of interesting about the fact that she goes on a journey of 
perhaps not being her full potential as a human being at the beginning of the film. And despite horrible things happening to her, she comes out of it better than she starts. She also does though have questionable judgment i feel like in human beings entirely i mean (laughs) about halfway through i'm like wait you've really you're not reading the signs lady (laughs) but a lot of people don't in relation and i think that's kind of what um i again i don't want to give anything away but i think we we everyone has uh everyone has come across some sort of relationship where they know one party and they know that that party is a much stronger, uh, more confident being when they're not with that person. Right. <laughs> What's cool, I think, was this always like a Blumhouse production with Jason Blum? Yeah, thing? it was. It was. Which is, it for those that don't know, the way his business model is kind of fascinating and yeah. the way they do it. Because this yeah. this happened really quickly, relatively yeah. speaking. No, it's a, ti- it's a tiny indie movie. It really is. Like, we made it on nothing. We made it, you know, that, that's that's how his model works. And then if it if they work out, then they they put a lot into the marketing, which is sort right. of a completely, well, actually probably brilliant way of doing it because nothing, I mean, that's the only way that anyone goes to the cinema these days is if you plaster it everywhere and right. come up with interesting ways to market it. And they've really done that. And I guess it is, you know, from, I think Jason Blum is, is has been really smart about this because in it, it's not, he his brand is very much uh, big horror movies. Right. And I think he saw in this a place that slots right in between that and Whiplash, which is another movie that Blum has, yeah. you know. So it's kind of, you know, he's definitely thinking outside the box. Smart and, guy, yeah. And great for, you know, to take a gamble on a first-time director and give him creative freedom, which he did. Yeah. Like, genuinely did. I mean, speaking of the marketing, I was one of those privileged few that got the insane... You've heard about oh, this. Oh, did you get what? a gift? Oh, my God. It was so... <laughs> like, I'm not even joking. I would never pimp out, like, marketing. Like, it's the last thing I think is, like, that I'm interested in, frankly. No, just, I like, me too. I do too, but this I has been say, unique. Yeah. This totally screwed with me. So I I mentioned this on the podcast once before, but one day I got in the mail here a mug from my college newspaper that I was the editor of. It said it was the Herald, the Herald from like (laughs) this tiny college. And and there was a note that said, hey, I was at a flea market thinking of those days at WEOS where I was a a radio host (laughs) and thinking about those late nights at the Herald, just thinking of you, Gordo. And literally that night I went to my wife and I'm like, um, I don't know what this is, but there's this crazy guy from college, I think. I don't remember him. Oh, and that's that, brilliant. They really got you. It's like, I am an idiot. I'm clearly like wow. the most gullible man on the planet. So. Yeah, you might be. I haven't heard of anyone else who actually believed it. <laughs> oh, no. It's so sad. <laughs> um, but I'm a great audience goer that way. I don't see the twist coming, see? I'm yeah. Just... Well, that's that's good for this. Yeah, exactly. Um when you when you walked in, I mean, I didn't know what accent was going to come out of your mouth, but you're mm. but before kind of like talking to you at length, I, you're one of those actresses where I wouldn't be entirely sure because I feel like you've yeah. you've played as many Americans. I've played more Americans than I have English people, right? Yeah, and I pretty much live here now, and you know, my mother's American, so I suppose I am. I do sit in a sort of a, a, a non-place, and I do keep my mouth quite shut as a human being, so I can understand <laughs> or, that most people think I'm American <laughs> or a mute. <laughs> Mute. I'm basically mute as a public figure. So I got <laughs> are, are you generally a quiet person? Uh, n- no. If I feel comfortable and I'm around people I know, then I'm not at all. I can be quiet. right. You, you go to extremes, basically. I, I go to extremes, but I suppose I suppose I'm not I'm not wildly loud in you know or comfortable sort of being loud as myself as a sort of the celebrity thing. I right. Kind of that's not it's not not hugely my bag, and I suppose that it's kind of. 
I suppose that as a result of that, people don't necessarily know who I am or know what I sound like. And I kind of like it that way. Well, it's kind of working out. It's not yeah. like you're not getting good material or good directors no. to work with. So there's a lesson in that. Where yeah, you... but I might be a dodo because there's nobody else doing it like this. <laughs> well, hey, you're charting your own path. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean, don't you get, don't you get it? You, you got into yeah. this business to be a celebrity, Rebecca. Everybody knows that. Oh, why didn't you tell me? Oh, <laughs> it's too late. It's too late. No, but you mentioned, so, I mean, you, you come from, so yes, you're, you're, dad British, your mom's American. Did mm. Growing up, did you feel that kind of push and pull? Was there, do you spend a lot of time in America as well? as? Uh... I didn't. My mom lived in England the whole time, but she worked a lot in the States. So I spent huge chunks of time in, in New York and, and LA, actually. She's an opera singer and she worked at the opera houses there. Um, and my dad worked here a fair amount too. So I always, like, American culture was always very much, uh, I knew it was part of my life. And my mom does still have a very you know, she's a sounds American. Really? Um, she's from Michigan. She's from Detroit. So it's like, That's you know, as she's... as American as you get. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't... I, so it's... I suppose what I'm saying is like, it's not It's not a leap for me. Yeah. If I made a decision tomorrow just to sort of speak like an American all the time, I'd probably forget about it in 12 right. hours. So w- w- But I won't do that. <laughs> just to be clear, <laughs> not doing that. Just to be clear. I feel very, very protective of my English roots as well. <laughs> so when you were growing up, did... Uh, in terms of pop culture, in terms mm. of film... Were you equal opportunity in terms of the kind of stuff that you were? <laughs> equal opportunity. Yeah, I like know, it. I like <laughs> the kind of politics to film watching. I, I, that's what the I bring. The world is, this is important apart, stuff. Folks. Exactly. We can't have, if we're going to be judged on. That's right. Hey, I don't um, think I, I don't know why you're diminishing my life's work. <laughs> no, I was. I was definitely equal opportunities with American and British films. I was very. Uh, I know. I watched everything. I was. Uh, I was. Uh, what can. I was a real film person when I was a kid. That's really my childhood was watching films. I was uh, and that come from your parents? Was that just something? Yeah, my 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 father was always interested in film. He's a theatre director, but he didn't he didn't work in film. His first wife was a a, a movie star in the classic old sense, Leslie Caron. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, of course. And and he had a an interesting trajectory in the. You know, my dad was born in 1930, so we're talking like 1950s. He married Leslie. Wow. And he definitely, he had a moment where he went to Hollywood and MGM said, here's a contract. You want to be a film director. But at the same time, he was setting up the RSC in England. So it was like, well, actually, I've got this this theatre institution that I need to... <laughs> I need to take care of. Right. So he so he made that choice. So he's always been sort of fascinated in film, but yeah. not, it's not his love and it's not his work. And my mom, again, is an opera singer, but she was born in the 50s and in Detroit. And so she she grew up with that sort of, um, with, with that whole really interesting moment in American cinema, basically, in the 60s right. and 70s. And so she's sort of, and her great love as a film viewer is movies from the 40s and 30s. And oh, wow. So when I was a kid, I didn't have a lot of kid stuff, but I did have this access to this huge VHS. Yes, videos. <laughs> I, that sounds like prehistoric. Don't worry, you're in a yes. safe spot. <laughs> <laughs> I had this enormous video library of, of old movies, and I'd sit and watch, uh, you know, Betty Davis and... And Catherine Hepburn and Barbara Stanwyck. I'd just watch those were my heroines, and I'd yeah. watch them again and again and again obsessively. Like, 
were you relating to your peers in that way? Did you have friends that were into that, or were you the anomaly? Like no, they I was were all... a total anom- anomaly. It did yeah. not. It did not make me cool at school. <laughs> let me tell you now. Especially since I was kind of Betty into Davis jazz movie, music guys. at the same time. Oh, real? Wow. <laughs> it was awful. But the good news is for every every nine year old with strange interests out there is that if you stick to those tastes, by the time you hit about seventeen, it suddenly becomes very cool. Totally, you yeah. were ahead of the curve. Yeah. But yeah, I, did, I remember I would get my friends around and be like, you know, you, you want to watch a really scary film? Here's whatever happened to Baby Jane. Right. <laughs> They're like, they'd be like, what the? <laughs> <laughs> like, can we watch Scream? You're like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so were you were you were you a snob about contemporary film? Or no, were you okay? no. I've always I've always been very. I I watch everything. Yeah. Like, even now, I I I'm not I'm not snobby. I'm a I'm a big uh, I'm a big exponent of highbrow plus lowbrow at all times good everything same here i mean you can see my my i I apologize i just moved into this office so i haven't hung anything but like my office is like an explosion of my silly brain (laughs) as you can see there's lots to look at there's a lot of sensory input um so give me a sense of your highbrow lowbrow tastes like like what are films that like you can recite by heart what are films that like are really you mentioned some of the, you know, the early heroines, but in terms yeah. of more contemporary stuff, are there films that really, like, you remember being obsessed with as a kid or a teenager? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of some good examples. There are, there are many. One of the things that I go back and watch again and again and again and can quote. It's pretty much... Um, I've got, I'm drawing a blank because there was one that I watched very recently... And I was like, oh, I can, I find myself being able to quote entire, oh, bringing up baby. Sure. Right. So Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn, I found that I could, I watched that again recently and I realized that it tapped into my 11 year old self and I could quote huge chunks wow. of it. It's been a while for me. I remember there's a dinosaur. I yeah. remember that. <laughs> a great bit with the dinosaur. Which I like was, I'm, I'm now going on a digression. That's but okay. I watched it again recently. I was like, screwball, screwball comedies for women, like great kind of batty characters right. that can hold it and aren't necessarily comics but are kind of actresses like Catherine Hepburn is hilarious and kind of doesn't film. exist it just doesn't exist That those scripts never exist that's why I always liked did you, I don't know if you're a Coen Brothers fan but um, yeah. one of the uh, I think Coen one of the fan. underrated ones I always loved was Hudsucker Proxy which oh always, yeah it's fantastic and Jennifer Jason Leigh in that yeah, is yeah. amazing so good. so good so was um, I mean given you know you're from this 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 family with this pedigree like yeah. true chops in theater and and opera was there any push and pull for you in terms of like uh, an act of rebellion of like no I'm not going to go that route because it would seem looking at the CV or whatever like it was just like okay yeah. this is meant to be Straight I'm doing to it Shakespeare yeah right <laughs> out of the mouth yeah, yeah. I was three months old do a little King Lear I was born in, in <laughs> tanks exactly yeah. but was that the case did it no. feel no it it wasn't actually they were they did they did a very good job of not uh, encouraging me either way I think if anything my father would have discouraged me like. I, that sounds odd because he actually cast me in my first thing when I was nine. He right. directed a TV series called The Camelot Lawn that I was in, but he did. That was sort of initially against his will. Like the producers suggested it. And he came to me and said, Is that something you're interested in? And uh, so the story goes. My precocious nine year old self was already like, Yeah, I want to be an actress, but I don't know <laughs> if that's true. Um, like, what do you remember about how I remember did he auditioning. treat you? Uh, I remember auditioning yeah. and I remember him going, you know, realizing that actually I was pretty good casting and then being convinced and then being very protective, but also treating me like a grown up. And I remember having real discussions with him about acting and what it means. And and then that sort of 
that didn't like carry over entirely. There were the teenage years, right? Because there was, was a big very, gap where you did not act for yeah. a while, right? Well, I didn't. I I got an agent then, and I remember you know going up for stuff like interview with a vampire as a for, as a oh, kid. Oh, is that right? Like, the character down this role. role, yeah. Sure. And I and I remember my dad reading that and going, "You guys is terrible." <laughs> Yeah, but in he terms said of the content of the material, want, or in terms yeah, of yeah, he was like, if you want to, if you want to audition for it, fine, go and audition for it. But I, you know, I around that time, I think I was definitely influenced by him because I remember, you know, to stop. Basically, he didn't tell me to stop, but he said, "Is this something that you want to do?" And I said, "Yes." And he said, "Why?" And I said, "Well, because you know, I love these these women and these actresses, but they're all women. They're all grown ups." Right. And he's like, "Well, then you don't want to be a child actor." Right. And I was like, I completely agree with you. I don't want to be a child actor. And I said, you know, and we had this discussion where I basically realized that I'd probably be a better actor if I stopped being a child actor and actually went. Just be a child for a bit. Learned how to be a human for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Did you figure that out ever? Uh, no, that's a life's work. Come on. We're all working who, on that. Who knows that one? Not yeah. me. No. <laughs> so when did it uh, gain another, you know, some seriousness? Was that it? Well, Cambridge again with him, I, I, I'd sort of, after that, I kept it quiet because I'm, you know, I, I'm, I do, if I'm taking things seriously, I tend to go underground with them and, you know, look after things and sort of think about them privately until I share them with anyone. I think I even did that with my parents to a point when I was a teenager and I sort of disappeared. And I, I, I'm, I, I like painting and drawing and all that kind of thing now pretty much for myself. I certainly wouldn't show anyone it. And during that time, I thought, oh, that's probably what I'll do. Right. I won't do the acting thing. And I painted for a lot and... But I was new, you know, and I, I kept doing acting as much as I could at school. And then I went to Cambridge and Cambridge has is brilliant for aspiring actors and directors and anything, obviously. But the reason why is because there's no course. You don't go to Cambridge to do drama. Right. There isn't a drama. You can't major in drama. Um, but what you can do is major in literature or languages or history, or whatever it is, and then do drama like you do in the real world, i.e. Right. come up with an idea, raise the money, put it on, get producers, get designers, the whole thing. So it's a, in a way, it's a sort of brilliant training for how it actually works. Right. And I started doing that way more than I did my degree and met all these incredible people. My peers at Cambridge were all now preposterously successful. <laughs> you know, Eddie Redmayne. That? Oh, I've heard of him. Tom Edelstein. <laughs> Uh, Dan R Stevens, Khaled Abdullah. These were all like people in my God, very uncharming ca uh, class of characters. <laughs> <laughs> like, was that? Did yeah. anybody have any charisma that you knew? No. What a no, shame. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so who in that group? Because I've spent a lot of time with, particularly Tom and, and Eddie. Yeah. In recent uh, yeah, years. Yeah. Um, and Why? Tom They've not been doing much. No, not much. <laughs> I had a memorable pillow fight with Tom. Did you? Yeah. That seems interesting. Yeah, it was quite interesting. You should look it up on the internet. It's got, a, lot, a lot of gifts were made, <laughs> as you can imagine. Um, wow. Who in that group, like, did, was there one that we were like, oh, God, this person in particular is going to be that is going is going to be supreme is supremely talented is going to be the thing or was it no you can't really you don't know no you can't really they're just your that. friends they're just they're, your... everyone was successful and there were definitely sort of cliques in cambridge there were like the people who did this and the people who did that and the people i mean i did a lot of stuff with khaled abdullah who who now who was who was an actor is an actor yeah. he was in the kite runner sure. and united 93 uh he's egyptian and 
he's kind of taken some time out from acting to be a political activist. If you saw that documentary, The Square. Oh yes. Yeah, he was the um, the one yes. with the English accent. Amazing. Yeah, he's a you know he's a he's a he's That's a, a well rounded life. That he's, he's an activist lived. and he does yeah. extraordinary things. And he's probably my closest friend from Cambridge in terms of the person that I did. We set up a theatre company together. Oh wow. And he was a great director as well as an actor then. And I'm sure he'll come full circle and direct all sorts of things. Right. Um, so did did it feel like at that time? Like, what was the the gap in terms of the, the chronology of, of your life of between Cambridge and starting a film career? What did it feel like? That, was there a gap in terms of, like, struggle in terms of finding yeah, your well, niche? Essentially what happened in a nutshell, I just looked up and saw Tom Hiddleston's face. Uh, see, I told you. <laughs> Look at that prophetic. Just right there. Um, you know, that coffee table book is just nonstop Tom, Tom Hiddleston photos. But that's for another time. Weird. 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 <laughs> I didn't make I it. I, I promise. <laughs> I swear to God. See, there's this thing going around. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he's in this movie, Crimson Peak, right? Oh, yeah. Chastain. Yeah, yeah. And Chastain is also uh, a friend, and she insists that I'm obsessed with Tom. And now this podcast (laughs) is doing me no favors because I feel like I'm just coming across as a stalker. Well, I think you just, you know, I think my takeaway from this is... Oh, no. This is not the impression I wanted to give today. All right. Back to Um, your life and career. I was... yeah, so I did a production of Hilariously at Cambridge, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Okay. Uh, where I played Martha, which was, you know, really great casting for a uh, 17-year-old, 18-year-old to play, you know, a uh, middle-aged drunk. Um, <laughs> and Khaled actually directed it. Okay. And it was, it, was, it was like a very successful Cambridge show, if you could say such a thing. It was, we were terribly like... It was terribly pretentious on some levels. There are two newspapers at Cambridge, you know, there's Varsity and the Cambridge Student. And, you know, if you get uh, you get five-star reviews in those, then you've really sort of made it and you get a sellout show. Anyway, it was one of those. And I sort of finally was, you know, to my dad, you can come and see that and then tell me honestly, like, yeah. should I be doing this or shouldn't I? And he was, he got very emotional about it, actually, and uh, said it was, you know, and said, I think if you want to do this, you you absolutely should. And then very soon after that, I ditched Cambridge, not because it sounds the proximity makes it sound like because he said that it absolutely wasn't. It was for lots of reasons, but I I left it um, and I didn't get my degree and I wanted to get on with my life and I wanted to start acting. um, And I felt like I'd got everything that I wanted out of Cambridge, which is very arrogant sounding, but it it wasn't. And I didn't want something to fall back on. I thought if I'm going to do something as mad as being an actor, then I might as well commit to it as opposed to think that I've ever have the right to do anything else. Right. <laughs> a new MTV project from the creators of Catfish, the TV show is looking to help anyone ready to let go of a secret once and for all. Do you have a secret that you've been keeping from a friend or loved one? Has this secret spiraled out of control, leading you to live a double life? Are you exhausted from covering it all up? Or just tired of living a life that feels like a lie? Are you worried your secret will cause a rift between you and a friend or loved one? Is the guilt of your deception affecting your life? Will you be estranged from your friend or loved one if they find out what you've been hiding? Are you afraid of losing them but feel completely consumed by the secret? Are you tired of living with this burden? Well, friends, a new MTV project from the creators of Catfish, the TV show, is looking to help anyone ready to help those who feel trapped by their secrets. With the guidance of their team, they want to help you free yourself from your secret and get closure 
that you deserve in a safe, supportive environment. Like MTV's secret casting Facebook page for a link to the official application and submit your story today. When you look back on it now, was there one job in particular that, that you landed that made you feel like I have security? I feel no, like- I didn't land any jobs. I, I went out into the world all cocksure and arrogant, thinking, right, this is it. I'm gonna. I got, I got two I'm good reviews from that said, show, yeah. <laughs> Cambridge guys. I'm My ready. My <laughs> mother was so fantastic. Where are you all? And I auditioned, and my agent uh, Victoria Belfridge, who'd stayed with me throughout the teenage years actually she set me up for really great things and I'd get I'd get I'd get quite far in auditions and then obviously no one wanted to take a punt on right someone who had no training no experience and you know and certainly didn't want to take a punt on someone that comes from some grand old theatrical dynasty because then it looks like right. they're just employing me for that so what, you know what, was there one at the time that you were like this is going to be it i'm getting I'm, I'm on the second or third round and i think yeah. this could change my life oh yeah there totally was there was a play at the national about um about that one that that then there was recently a film about her uh that freud and Jung had a patient oh sure a patient. yeah dangerous method was the yes yes yeah um anyway there was a play that was loosely the same sort of story and I was very close to getting that role and and then didn't and was like well now what am I going to do and often I would come up against people who said you know it's just uncomfortable the press attention and blah 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 blah, and we don't want to be accused of this and how do we know that you're good do we just think you're good yeah. because of your family and or, and and that was kind of irritating and so so when my dad finally came round and, and, and gave me a, a play, Mrs. Warren's Profession, and was like, why don't you just work with me and do this? Because you'd be great in it. And I, I initially said no, because that's It seems like flying in the face of everything that I'm <laughs> confronting. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I'm trying to deal with all this stuff and try <laughs> Let's and, just embrace and the whole <laughs> taken in my own right. And, and now I'm going to go and work with you. That sounds like lunacy. But, uh, you know, actually, as it turned out, after time, I realized that it was pointless trying to pretend that or deny it or work against it. And if no one else was going to cast me because of it, then yeah. I might as well work with him and try and establish myself in my own right and then get on with it. And then after that, I was really lucky. Yeah. You know, that's the truth of it. I, I did that and it, it could have gone horribly wrong. I remember my father coming back after the first night. Um, he sat with me in the kitchen. I was staying at his house for some reason or I'd gone back with him or something. And we had a bowl of soup and he just turned this kind of green color thinking about all the reviews coming out the next day. Because he thought, if this has gone badly for her, I've just ruined my daughter's oh my life. Gosh, I can see that, yeah. You know. Clearly didn't work out that way. No, it did. No, it was <laughs> and then no, five it was years later, I recovered. And, and, then, yeah. <laughs> and Woody Allen called and all was right in the world. Speaking of, um, yeah. whenever Woody Allen's on the resume, I have to talk about that. Because, sure. you know, I'm a, I'm a cliche New Yorker, born and bred, yeah, like, yeah. obsessive. Um so working with him, was that is that surreal? Is that something that you can kind of like check it off as just like another director, another film? Or no. is it <laughs> constantly, are you like, that's an icon I'm staring at that I grew up watching everything he's ever done? Yeah, he's a, he's, he's a standalone. You can't work with, I mean, you work with him almost more for the experience of that than you do for anything else. It's sort of, you know, knowing that you're entering the Woody Allen world. You can't, you can't really do anything but be in the Woody Allen world. Right. It's sort of... And that is a wonderful world to be in. And for me, it was a dream come true because definitely of the movies that you asked me earlier about things that I was obsessed with as a teenager, Annie Hall was another one that I could just, 
I could just recite all, yeah. of, it, all of it. Um, and so meeting him was surreal and then working with him just was a, uh, very strange. <laughs> is, is the process, because again, there are all these myths, legends, and some are true, some are not. Mm. And I, you know, it varies sometimes. But like, I've heard people say that, you know, he's obviously an amazing writer, <laughs> a, a understatement of the yeah. century. But I feel like he's also said, I've heard him say to actors, like, if you want to change the lines, yeah. change it, which seems insane. Yeah. Did he do that with you? Did all you the ha- time. And do, yeah. you, and do you feel like you're allowed to do that? Or do you want to like say, no, you're Woody Allen, I trust your lines. I didn't Mr. initially, but I was in that film a lot. Like I worked nearly every day. Yeah. And so there was a, you know, apart from the chunk that I'm not in, but you know, I was, so I was there and I had a, and my character was very wordy, like mm-hmm. on the page, she just didn't stop talking. Um, in the vein of those characters in Woody Allen films who don't stop talking. And, uh, you know, I think, and often he shoots in, in, there's just one setup. Right. So there's no restrictions in terms of continuity or whatever, or the need to say things so you can match it when it's someone's close up. Um, so he would always say to me, why don't you try one where you put it into your own words? And he, and he didn't mean like, you know, go crazy and yeah make yeah, up an entirely yeah. different plot he just meant, <laughs> he just meant say what i've written but put it into a way that sounds more natural to your to your way of speaking to your idiom or whatever and or the character's way of speaking as i'd then sort of swallowed and internalized i guess right um and you know i i suppose i did actually if i'm going to be honest with you i did do that but i like doing that and often that's a that's a way out of a hole i never felt like i was uh rewriting him right. <laughs> i mean I we're talking about really, i would switch yeah. a couple of yeah, yeah. you know verbs and prepositions around <laughs> take full credit yeah um so and then like you know in, in looking again as at these kind of like points that that clearly stand out on a resume as like mark you know a, a mark of a change or shift in retrospect at least like when that film premieres i think it was like at can probably right yes, you know, it, it was. and well received needless yeah. to say um does that feel like okay i held my own i more than held my own yeah. in a woody allen film that is being celebrated i'm now i have a right to be at this at the dinner table and i have a, you know what i mean or is it is there constant kind of like i uh, are you one of those actors that's constantly doubting their own place in the universe like what when, when are they going to pull the rug out from under me or do you feel at this point that you know what you're doing and i mean that, and i'm not trying to set you up to sound conceited and like yeah i know what i'm doing i'm good but no no but i, I think it's i think it's neither yeah in a weird way i don't think that i I mean, every time a job ends, I assume that I'm never going to get another one and I'm looking down a void of kind of, you know, when's the next one? I think Judy Dench said that the best thing about being an actor, about the job, is that is the phone call when, that you get when to say that you've got the job. Right. And then everything after that is sort of panic. <laughs> <laughs> right. Six months later, yeah. six months of panic and then again. And that's, that is true. Having said that, I don't, I think I've always, you know, my dad always said to me, I think to be, to be, to really, to, to be an actor, you kind of have to have, you know, that your, 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 your skin is thin necessarily and you're vulnerable and you're emotional and all the rest of it because you have to be because that's your stock and trade. Yeah. But at the same time, if you're going to survive it, somewhere underneath all those layers of vulnerability, you have to have a little kernel of steel that believes in it. Sure. And, you know, without wanting to sound conceited, I think I've always sort of thought, oh, this is what I do. Yeah. You know, it's not, I don't think, I don't go through my days thinking I'm great at it. I just think this is what I'm going to keep doing. Right. Whether or not it's, you know, Woody Allen and Can or or it's 
working in regional theatre in Woking or whatever, right. I think I'm going to be doing it. Right. I don't really measure too much about the whatever of it. The, 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 the glam trappings of sitting in yeah. someone's anonymous office in downtown. Yeah, on a, with a full mic attendant, <laughs> you know, slightly. <laughs> <laughs> the vitamin water zero staring at you. Um, <laughs> does. Uh, a couple other films I want to hit. Um, mm. The Prestige, which was relatively mm. early in the, in the film career. Christopher Nolan couldn't it be more. It was that was about as early as it gets. Actually, was it? That was my. I think of it as my first film, actually, mm. but it wasn't. Start for Ten was first, right. which was a British comedy. Um, but I started Prestige the day after, and I got cast in both of them at the same time. So I had the sort of wow. the. So I associate them very much as being my first break into film. And he did pluck me from like, no one did. obscurity yeah. in the sense that I I auditioned for him on a on a camcorder that I like flipped the thing and recorded myself in Amazing. my bedroom in in North London. Wow! And then sent it to his people, and then two days later he was flying me to LA to read with Christian Bale, and so it was that that was very that was very odd the way that happened. It, does auditioning get? easier at this point being able to be in a room with Christian Bale and get the part um, is that... no it doesn't get easier but I'm a little bit I'm a little bit odd in that I quite like auditioning <laughs> like <laughs> I know it sounds what do you strange. like about it well if I if I had an option I'd probably I'm I'm always slightly mistrustful of the jobs that I get when someone says you know we want you for this because I'm sort of thinking well what do you think I'm gonna do right and also what do I think that you're gonna do <laughs> You're, like, you're you know, thinking too much. You're thinking this through way too much. <laughs> no, Just but auditions are a good way yeah. you go you're in. You're testing and you're it out for like, yourself you know, and you, then for them. You yeah. know what your limits are. You know whether or not you can do it. And you know that the director is going to work with you. I, I like that yeah. myself. And I'd happily keep auditioning for as for forever. And I think you do actually these days. I don't think it ever stops. What, what's your what's your like worst nightmare of a se- of film set experience? Like, what's the kind of uh, and you know you've been in enough films by now. I'm sure that you know what you don't like or you know yeah. how you don't want to be directed. What's the what's the environment that you don't want to find yourself um, in? I know that films are intr- the film set is intrinsically hierarchical and not a democracy, but I don't like the ones that. The, the sets where the people kind of get off on that right. and it becomes a sort of massive old power game and nobody's, you know, I'm just talking about basic niceness. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't like it when people aren't nice to each other because I honestly don't think that being shouted at is the, is the best way to get anyone's best work. And, right. and everyone's in it to, for the same goal. Everyone wants to make a good film. So I, I never, that's my preference. And it seems to be... For- Again, from experience of talking to people, like that, that cliched number one on the call sheet person can often yeah. dictate what the environment is on oh, set. Very much, yeah. Right? Very much. And if you have an asshole as number one, yeah. that's not going to be a fun <laughs> set to be on. No, it, it, the trickle, the, the, it's the trickle down thing, isn't yeah. it? It's like that is that is definitely true. You, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you, you've just worked with Steven Spielberg. I have, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean,. It is actually. <laughs> you're like, you're right, Josh. I was going to make some snidey joke <laughs> no. about it, and I was like, you know what? No, no, no. There's no, no there's nothing I could say about I mean, that apart from it was very, very cool. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, and you're clearly you've proved your pedigree as a legit film fan in our conversation today. So, I mean, working with someone that is like in, intrinsically part of our lives yeah. and childhood. He's 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 Hollywood, really, isn't he? He is. Level? I mean, mainstream Hollywood as we know it. It's like it's. He's and so such a great man. Yeah, like, genuinely a really <laughs> good, nice person to be around, and so brilliant. And it was a really happy, happy experience. 
And this is this um, is the BFG, yeah. and it's I think the only film in history to bring together Bill Hader and Mark Rylance in a film together, <laughs> which yeah. had to ha- it was inevitably going to happen. Yeah, right? I mean it's it's a double it's a bromance <laughs> in the making. <laughs> have you worked with Mark Rylance before? Had no, you, I did, hadn't worked. With, actually, that's not it's not entirely true. I did a I did a, a, a reading of a play once with him, but like not really. You know, like yeah. a day's workshop or whatever. I mean, years do, you, ago. do you get to do some stuff with him in, in the film? I'm, yes, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, um, mostly. Any, I mean, I'm. Wait, are I'm, you giant? Or are you? Human? No, I'm human. Okay. I mean, the, the film is very <laughs> divided between all the mocap giant stuff, right. and then then there's this sort of strange section at the end where actual human beings come into it, and and so we did. It was fascinating to watch, actually. I yeah. gotta say, but I didn't get. To, I don't have any like chunky scenes with him or anything. But I had some stuff with him, and the way they were doing it with him on a scaffolding so that all our eye lines would be right. Right. So we'd look up and react to him. <laughs> but he was, and he'd be there, but in his scuba suit. And then if you watched it on the monitor, it would be live streaming into an animation. Amazing. So it would oh, wow. Like so like the, in real time, they're just in animating real time. him. <laughs> in real time, which meant that when he wasn't, you know, when we weren't doing a scene and he was sort of asking someone for a cup of tea and just kind of scratching his head and, you know, having a think. That would be animated see, too. <laughs> I want to see that film. I want to see Mark Rylance as a giant having tea. It was extra, but he's such a brilliant actor. Oh my god! I mean, he's I, for for my money. I think he's the he's one of our best at the moment. Yeah, he he's one of those that I, I confess I haven't seen a, a ton of his work, but I, it made such an impression when I saw on Broadway. I think it was Jerusalem, yeah, uh, which I don't know if you saw, but I like did. I, did. I mean. And the I, last three minutes of that, I think, are some of the finest acting I've ever seen in my life. And and it was, and I felt like an idiot because being a film fan, I was like, "Where did this person yeah. come from? I don't well, know this person." He doesn't, hasn't he done a film. He hasn't done much film. He just hasn't done any. He's not really been that interested. Now I think he's sort of open to it, and I think it's, it's going to be all the better for us, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and did you did you end up shooting? Is the Steve McQueen project is that happening, or have you guys shot anything? On no, that? we start in uh, we start in September is when we start. So that's that's coming up. But yeah, I've had a kind of weird year because I did, in between BFG and this, I did a film with Antonio Campos. Okay. Um, oh, that sounds fascinating too. It's about a journalist, right? Or a, yeah, it's, yeah. About, it's based on Christine Chubbuck, who was a real person. Yeah. And is, is theater still something that you are prioritizing that is just when it comes, it comes? Or is it just I'll always of... prioritize it in as much as I won't ever not do it. I'll always yeah. want to do it. But I don't... Um, yeah, it has to, you know, I, I love I love film acting and yeah. I love film. So I, I always want to get to do both because I'm greedy. <laughs> do you, having gone through like the gauntlet of something like Iron Man and something like BFG, yeah. does the technical aspect of filmmaking, because that's a skill in and of itself, just yeah. to be able to still lend a credible performance to Yeah, spectacle. it horrifies me. It horrifies does me. Does it? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'd be really game to try it once because I've not really done it. I've watched right. other people be in the suit and do the thing. And right. the rest of it. You know, I mostly get to sit around and have a cup of tea and then go and be like, Oh, okay, we're ready. Let's go. You know, like, that's what those films are for me. Right, at the moment. Right. But like the moment someone asked me to run and jump and, and spin through the air and all the rest of it, I, I'll be, actually I did, I did one, the one, the closest I've got to doing anything remotely like that was actually on transcendence when they rigged me up to a harness and they had to, right. for an explosion, they had to sort of, pull me up in the air and I'd land on a crash mat and there was a big explosion that was tied to it and so we did like two takes and eventually Wally Fester comes up to me he's like I'm like what is it what is it why do we have to keep doing more and more takes he's like because um every time that you get pulled through the air you go wee. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and it doesn't really look like you're being blown up. Not organic to the moment, <laughs> Rebecca. You're losing it. So I think I might have problems with it. <laughs> yeah, that uh, character in the next Avatar movie that's just like, this is awesome. Look at you blue people. No. James Cameron yeah. might not uh, no, respond. It's not going to work. Um, <laughs> so next on the agenda is you have a break between now and uh, yeah, Steve a little McQueen. little break. I'm um, yeah, a little break. Um, what, what, can you say anything about what that project is? I know like Paul Dano, I think is is in it as well. Uh, Paul Dano's and, in it, and uh, Helena Bonham Carter's in it, and um, uh, and no, I can't say anything. <laughs> well, the cast alone and the director yeah, makes me in, I, uh, intrigued. I mean, I've basically signed up for those reasons. I mean, you probably know as much as I do. Right? <laughs> okay, I'm glad to be on equal footing with you. Uh, and is home still? We were saying, uh, do you split time now between? Yeah, no, I'm I'm now pretty New York based. Are you? Yeah, I'm going to put you on the wall. You can put me on the wall. <laughs> Having seen your amazing, what was it uh, about uh, Louis from One Direction? Was yeah, that from, did yeah. that come from the heart? Yeah, totally. Of course it did. <laughs> How did that happen? Do you have like a thirst to do more? Because one of the things I feel like I haven't seen you do a ton of, frankly, it's is comedy. comedy. Yeah, is that well, something? No, no one really gets. You don't get asked. Like I was talking about that Catherine Hepburn thing. I yeah. think it's a kind of a straight actress that you know looks like she's going to play the straight. The yeah. you know the whatever then you don't really get asked to do a ton of comedy, which right. is sad. And I, I, I would love to, personally. Well, I, I promise you, you're at least getting an invitation from me. I don't know. I know it's not Steve right. McQueen or Steven Spielberg, <laughs> but uh, you're welcome anytime to do something stupid I mean, you should me. put Dan Stevens on the list as well. Oh, you know? Dan's here, of course. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and he's very funny. Well, have you guys Did do you a little reunion? Did you see his high-maintenance thing? No, I haven't. Yeah, anyway, oh, I've heard about high-maintenance. Yeah yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You should put him on the board. Um, please, his, his performance alone in Night Museum with a nose that was know, dripping right? for 10 minutes. That's yeah. Oscar material. Yeah. <laughs> I actually thought it was brilliant. <laughs> he is brilliant. He's brilliant. He's, he's, a, he's a very good friend of mine. Yeah. Um, well, I look forward to chatting with him and doing something silly with him and hopefully you at some point. Thanks. Congratulations on the movie. Uh, Thank you. And it's been great to catch up with you today. And you. Take Thank care. you, Rebecca. Bye. <laughs> this summer. You sent her, you monster. The world's greatest screenwriters. So it appears it is to be a chess match, after all. And Hollywood's brightest actors. How do you just stop believing in it all? Will come together. Eventually, you will slip. In a cinematic explosion. I hope you trip and break your bloody stiff neck. The likes of which podcasting has never seen. End of the goddamn world, huh? The Blacklist Table Reads takes the best screenplays from the famous Blacklist website and brings them to life with cream of the crop talent and beautiful sound design. It's like a movie for your ears. You have no idea how committed we are. The story continues every week with a new movie every month. The Blacklist Table Reads, hosted by me, Franklin Leonard, and not in the movie trailer voice. Check it out on iTunes at wolfpop.com or on your favorite podcasting app. We'll see you there. Wolf Pop is part of Midroll Media, executive produced by Adam Sachs, Matt Gorley, and Paul Shear.